welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and this episode is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you haven't checked it out already, go to stickandball.tv, and there are hundreds of videos and so much great content waiting just for you. And the cool part? It's all updated weekly. Check it out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. Also, if you want to help support the podcast, there's two ways to do so. One would be leaving a rating and review wherever you listen. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to me if you did. And two, if this podcast is helpful to you at all, post it on social media, share it with your friends, and tag us. I'm so grateful to have this platform and to be able to share it with all of you, and I'd love to be able to bring more people into our community. So today, what can we learn from a ship captain that got his ship stranded in the ice 80 miles off the coast of Antarctica? Find out next. Here's Leadership Lessons from Ernest Shackleton. So the year is 1914. Winston Churchill grants an exploration of Antarctica to Ernest Shackleton to walk across the continent. The day before, Ernest and his team on the Endurance pull into the coast, which is 80 miles away, Cold wind and freezing temperatures caused the endurance to get stuck in the ice overnight. Shackleton is still hopeful that if they wait until the ice melts in the spring, they'll be able to continue the journey. After all, they have a year's worth of rations. After months trapped in the ice, the pressure from the shifting ice causes the ship to take on water and they have to abandon the vessel. The men must now camp on the ice, and this is where we start to see the mission start to pivot. Hopeful that the men and the dogs can pull the supplies and boats across the ice until they reach open water, they take everything they can and abandon ship. Hopeful that they can set sail for Paulette Island, 346 miles away. But after only making it two miles in two days of trying, the plan is abandoned. The men will have to remain camped on a barren sheet of ice where they must be careful that the ice doesn't crack and they fall in or that killer whales don't rise to the surface and tip them into the water. And at one point, the coast of Antarctica comes within sight, but the way is blocked by ice, and Shackleton is forced again to pivot away from his goal. After almost six months of living on the ice, it finally melts sufficiently for the boats to be launched, and they set sail for Elephant Island, which is only 30 miles away. After an arduous day of sailing, Shackleton feels hopeful that they're almost there, but when their position is checked, they now find that they're 60 miles from their destination and that the current carried them off course. They finally get to the island, and this was a, quote, inhospitable place, devoid of any vegetation and covered with glaciers. This is the first time they've been on solid land in 497 days. But Shackleton soon realizes that there's not enough food on the island to last long, and he must break the news to the men to get back in the boat to sail another 800 miles to the whaling stations on the island of South Georgia. Shackleton chooses five men to accompany him, loads a boat with a month's supply of rations, and takes off for their last hope of salvation. Land is spotted on the 14th day, but there is nowhere safe to put in. The drinking water is now completely gone. A hurricane floods the boat, and the next day, they finally find a bay in which to pull in. Is the story over yet? 
<laughs> Absolutely not. They find themselves on the opposite side of the island from the whaling stations, and so they decide to make an overland journey to reach them, an expedition never before attempted, and one that would take men over steep snow slopes, glaciers, jagged mountain peaks, and cliffs. Bad weather keeps the men from starting the march for 10 days, and for 36 sleepless hours, the men march in search of whaling stations, stopping only for meals. Finally, Shackleton reaches the first signs of civilization that he's seen in a year and a half, and still, the setbacks aren't over. Remember, this is during World War I, so he makes three attempts to retrieve a boat, but it takes a fourth ship and four months until Shackleton makes it back to Elephant Island because there was no boats available in wartime England. He finally gets into the boat, heads back to the island, and what does he see? All 22 men that he had left behind alive, waving from the beach. And after almost two years of being stranded, Shackleton's crew made it back safely on August 30th, 1916, and not one member of the original crew died. Wow. So what can this tell us about leadership? Well, this book is packed with examples, but I've got four main ideas for you. Number one, Shackleton embodies servant leadership. He had to have the trust of his men, right? This is what one of them said. Shackleton's first thought was for his men under him. He didn't care if he was without a shirt on his back as long as the men he was leading had sufficient clothing. And it was by rule that any deprivation should be felt by himself before anything else. Let me give you a few examples. On the way to South Georgia, he was assured that the men got regular meals and drinks of hot milk and tea every four hours. The routine gave the men stability and something to look forward to. More on this later. Here's another example. When they sailed to Elephant Island, the expedition's photographer, Frank Hurley, lost his mittens, so Shackleton gave him his own. And when Hurley protested, Shackleton threatened to throw him overboard, and so Hurley finally accepted the mittens. Shackleton's fingers then developed frostbite. One more. When he made it to land in South Georgia, the men were too exhausted to pull the boat all the way in, and therefore Shackleton decided to let the men eat and rest before finishing the job. But the boat had to be watched to make sure it didn't float away. And Shackleton took the first watch, let the men sleep, and then he took the second watch as well. When the men marched over the island, Shackleton was in thin leather boots because he had given away his warm, specifically made expedition boots to another man. For our example, if our players are taken care of and feel valued, that's what matters more than anything. Point number two. Shackleton's ability to pivot. Shackleton was already disappointed when he wasn't the first to discover Antarctica, which happened in 1911. But he wanted to be the first to cross the entire continent. So, as soon as the ship was frozen, Shackleton figured out that the goal was no longer to walk across the continent of Antarctica. The new goal was to survive. And one thing that Shackleton did really well was pivot. It's really hard for people to do this, it's known as the sunk cost fallacy. When we make an initial investment, and regardless of circumstances, we continue to hold on to that hope that we can recover them. Think of gamblers in this sense. Do you think that the sailors had this thought too? Absolutely. But Shackleton was able to say, here's what we know. 
here's what we don't know, and here's what we're going to do. Tell the truth. Honesty is critical, but so is giving your men hope. Point number three, everyone played a role and that role mattered. So one thing that kept standing out to me was his attention to detail and feel with his men's daily routines. So to give them purpose, normal duties were continued from collecting scientific specimens to seal hunting to the ship's routine and they were, it was all enforced. Meals were taken at the exact same time each day and the men were generally well fed because, well, hangry. Shackleton knew, and we all know, that men with full stomachs are less likely to complain. So a few other examples. They had ordered days. So they had an early breakfast, then they continued their chores, which included melting drinking water, repairing equipment, tending the dogs, strengthening lifeboats, seal hunting. Then at night, they would all play card games, and Shackleton even taught them how to play bridge. By 8.30, lights were out, and they were able to go through that routine again. They also had new duty rosters every week, which helped break up the monotony, and they had chore groups instead of individuals to help fight isolation and that forced them to socialize. So they would do after-dinner songs, they would have party games, birthdays were celebrated, and the group even staged a full 11-on-11 football game on the ice. And my fourth and final point, emotional awareness. Imagine you're stranded thousands of miles in sub-zero temperatures, sleeping in tents on ice, and all you can see is white. Conflicts happen in all groups, especially those facing the extreme circumstances experienced by Shackleton's team, but he was a master at conflict management. One example I loved. Shackleton recognized which members were most likely to cause dissent and gossip, and he put them in his own tent he mentioned the photographer they hired being very self-assured, so Shackleton himself made sure that each day he felt needed and wanted as a way to not cause tension within the group. Also, to avoid any development of cliques, he insisted that the men did not spend any longer than a week sharing the tent with the same men. Another example was when Shackleton left for Georgia Island, he left 22 men behind and instructed them that he would return and to not leave. Again, another preventative measure, he took the potential troublemakers with him. Remember, this was an 800-mile journey in a small boat. Talk about keeping your friends close, but your enemies closer. I hope you like this look at the Shackleton leadership. Most of the info came from the book Endurance by Alfred Lansing, and this is actually the second book that I've read on him this year. I also highly recommend Leadership in Crisis by Nancy Cohen if you want to dig in deep. Let me know what you think at jgellner7 on Twitter, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which could include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.